Welcome to Teaching Transformations, Designing Your Post-Career Life with Tim Desmond and Ryan Woolley. You're a music guy. Uh, a little bit. Who are your top top three guitarists of all time? Yeah, that's an easy question. <laughs> Jimi Hendrix, Steve Ray Vaughan, Eddie Van Halen. Wow. Okay. Is it, did you think I was going there? Uh, no, I, that's about what I would expect. Stevie Ray Vaughan's an interesting choice. Yeah, it's uh, th those three are based on the fact that they changed the way guitar was played, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And Stevie Ray specifically with that sort of that Texas blues sound where it sounds as though there's two guitarists when there's only one. And I mean, obviously, Hendrix was sort of a pioneer there, but I think Stevie Ray especially with uh, with that three-piece with Double Trouble, like you, you look at, you know, you listen to some of those live recordings and you, you swear there's two guitars there. So Yeah. 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 How, how those, about you? Who are your those top are good three? choices. Yeah. I've never been a Hendrix guy, though. I mean, I appreciate what he brought, but... Yeah. Van Halen's definitely like number one for me. Yeah. Um, but when I start thinking of guitar, um, so I play a lot of acoustic stuff and I, and I have an appreciation, probably a bigger appreciation in some ways for acoustic, uh, music than, uh, than rock, uh, in, in many ways. But, um, uh, Andy McKee, have you ever heard of him? I don't know if I have. He is amazing. He he does songs that are so complex and um like he'll take he'll, he'll do covers. He did a cover of um uh Tears for Fears, Everybody Wants to Rule the World. Yeah. And he does that by himself on acoustic guitar, but he does like the bass line, the melody, like everything is just coming through what he's playing on guitar. Yeah. And he doesn't sing. Um so he's pretty incredible. Um, Leo Kotke would be up there yep. as well. I don't know if you know him. But yeah, I know him. Uh-huh. Yeah. So <laughs> I wanted to start by asking you your top three of something because um, I feel like we're surrounded by lists. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I realize, I don't know if you're like me, but like I totally get sucked into these all the time, like when I'm, when I'm surfing. Um, do you get do you do you get pulled into lists of things? Oh yeah, we all do. Like, yeah, I, I don't think there's anything like necessarily underhanded or evil about that. Like it's just it's how we're wired. Like we as creatures, we need to categorize and organize things. And so if you put them in a list or you stick some numbers on them, we're much more likely to pay attention. So I don't. Yeah, it's it's nothing new. Uh, it's nothing devious. But yeah, I. I I'm much more likely to click on a, on a listicle than I am an article. Yeah. Uh, you call it a, a listicle? Yes. I've never heard that term. Yeah. It's a content marketing term. <laughs> it seems like it's everywhere and I, I don't mind it. I'm not, I, I yeah. don't think there's anything, you know, um, bad about it either, but it's just, it's funny. Like when you really pay attention, it seems like the vast majority of pages out there are, revolve around a, a central list of something. Well, and it, it also ignites engagement, you know, because uh, any time you rank things, unless it's completely 100% objective, which is rarely the case, it's grounds for an argument, you know? <laughs> like anytime Rolling Stone comes out with its like 100 uh. greatest of whatever 
th there's just people fighting about it, you know? <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, I, I found this article about the top four reasons people like lists <laughs> <laughs> on the good badger. Uh, says number one, uh, for improved organization. That's, you already mentioned that. Yeah. Number two, we're stupid. So <laughs> it's, it's a way of, I guess, simplifying the world Yeah. <laughs> for the sake of argument, which there is basically go. what you were just saying yep. and to build a common reality. Yeah. Uh, it's like uh, this. This reminds me when I when I worked at uh, the university, there was a committee on committees. <laughs> well, the, you know the the one that's not on here though. Is one of my favorite lists of all time was David Letterman's top ten. Do you remember those? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I love those. Yeah. I, maybe that was kind of the origin of the of the list movement. Would you I, say it? It might. I mean, in mass media, it very yeah. It, it might be. Uh, I mean, that was that was not the. I mean, there was a lot of great things about Letterman about the Late Show back in the day, but I never missed the top ten list ever. Mm -hmm. Like that was the. That's what I was looking forward to. So yeah, maybe, maybe there's something to that. So going back to your point about rankings and about inviting sort of a conversation, you know, it, it invites argument, right? It invites people yeah. to take a stand on something. What do you think about something like college rankings? Yeah, those <laughs> that that example in particular is is probably a, a sensitive spot for the two of us, given the fact that uh, the age of our kids. But I feel like there are certain things like college rankings that are I don't want to call them political, but there's a whole lot more factors that are involved in that, and yeah. and I feel like there's there's um, currency being exchanged in situations like that, and not necessarily money, but currency. Uh, and a lot of influence that that inf that that affects those. So you know, like the U.S. News and World Report rankings. Like I don't I don't put much stock yeah. in those. You know, um, I, I think something similar is like the you know the fiftieth laziest cities in the country, or like you <laughs> know, like those kind of lists. I'm like ah uh, yeah, yeah. I, like they're not even worth arguing about. Yeah. Now if you're talking about like the you know the the ten sunniest cities like that's got some pretty hard scientific data behind it. But yeah, some of those other ones, uh, yeah. I feel like there's a lot more variables under the surface. Yeah. Well, I, I agree. My, my son, uh, gave a, his, uh, eighth grade, uh, chapel talk speech, which was, you know, sort of that, uh, the, the speech that all eighth graders have to do. He, his was on college rankings and he, he was arguing against them. So I, I think both he and I really internalized his arguments. <laughs> Um, but, and I, and I, I think, you know, for the most part, they really are innocuous. They do invite sort of conversation and, and they do help to clarify thinking. You know, I, I do think it's helpful. Um, I'm going to read this quote from the, uh, the article that I mentioned, the, uh, top four reasons people like lists. Um, it says, uh, you know, imagine this statement, if I've got a proven money-making method, which book are you going to buy? How to become wealthy with rigorous research, long hours, high financial risk, and patience, or six simple steps to earning seven figures? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would even take it a step further and say, you know, how to become wealthy with uh, 
in seven steps with rigorous research, long hours, high financial <laughs> risk and patience. And it would still outsell, right? Because like it, you know, people want the recipe. Like they, they want to tell me exactly what to do, uh, even if it's hard sometimes. So yeah, there, there's no question about it. Uh, there's some psychology involved there. Yep. Well, um, in today's episode, I want I want us to uh, talk about an article uh, that I read, and I'm going to share a little bit about it. But it's it is one of these list articles um, because of this project, because you and I are talking about this stuff a lot about second act and and stuff like that. You know, I'm doing a little bit more reading and poking around, and um, I, I liked I like this article. Um, it's in Kiplin Kip Kiplinger. How do I say that? Kipling? I don't know. I don't think I've ever yeah. said it out loud. Yeah, I know. There are some things I just never say. I see yeah. it all the time, but... Is it, is, I guess it's either Kiplinger or Kiplinger. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Probably should have looked that up beforehand. But. Um, so it's called Six Steps to Finding Your Second Act in Retirement by uh, Mary Kane. Uh, and it was published almost a year ago, uh, May 22nd of 2020. Um. But before we get into her list, I, I just want to uh, pull out a couple of stats that I think are, are interesting that, that she refers to. Um, she points out that more, more Americans are working well into their quote-unquote retirement years. Uh, labor force participation rates for men ages 65 to 69 reached 39% this year, up from 28% in 1995. Um, that's that's a big jump. Um, rates for older women climbed to thirty percent from seventeen percent in the same period. Um, what do you what do you make of that? Well, I, I there's a couple different ways you can look at it. I mean, you you can pessimistically you can say, well, people haven't saved for retirement, and that means they have to work longer to sustain their lifestyle. But I don't. Th I think that's an oversimplified explanation. I think there's a lot of play here. I think another possibility is that people are just redefining what retirement means. Uh, and, and so if, you know, I don't know how the labor force participation rates are determined, but if you happen to be a fully quote unquote retired person and you like to work 20 hours a week at, at the local bookstore because you just love books, you're in the labor force, right? But you have to be there. Is that necessarily a bad thing? So. It would be hard to parse that out. Um, it, I, I think we would need some more data to kind of come to any kind of conclusion. But to me, it just says the nature of retirement and what it means is is just not what it was in 1995. Yeah. Either way, it, it means you're not sitting around watching TV. Correct. Which is probably what, you know, our parents or early boomer definition of retirement was, is like you stop working you no longer get a paycheck and you're just at home or you're traveling, but you're not working. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, here's another one that's interesting. Uh, some 26% of all new businesses were started by adults ages 55 to 64 in 2017, up from 15% in 1996. 26% of all new businesses started by people between 55 and 64. I, that sort of supports your argument that, you know, it's it's not so much about just having a job, like, because you need one. Like, if you're starting a business, that sort of involves 
not only does it take energy, but it requires a level of risk that, you know, you probably wouldn't take unless you could be taking that, right? Possibly. Uh, there's another, um, the, the, I, don't, I don't have the exact source, but I know that in the circles that I run in, there's a lot of talk about uh, Gen X is really driving entrepreneurship right now. It, like statistically speaking, it's people in their 50s are more likely to start a business than any other age group. And I think that shatters a lot of preconceived notions about what it means to be an entrepreneur. Like it's not just the Silicon Valley tech bros in their 20s who are, you know, creating these startups. Um, it, it's, it's Gen Xers that are, that are really driving it. And I, and I think I would suspect that, you know, four years later, I'll bet that percentage is even higher. Uh, and, and I think it also, the other thing I, I'd like to underscore here is that the definition of business has changed. So in, you know, the early 1990s or in our parents' generation, starting a business meant like some sort of brick and mortar operation, right? Like it was a, uh, whether you ran it out of an office, whether it was retail or a service industry, uh, a small business meant you had a actual physical business. And I think since the advent of the internet, thanks again, Gen X, uh, that doesn't have to be the case. You know, I, I think having a small, like if you, if you're an Amazon reseller and you have an Amazon page where you resell certain products, you never touch inventory. Um, you know, you lay, you leave the fulfillment to Amazon that's technically a small business. And if it makes you $200 a month, it's still a small business. So I, I think too that I'm not surprised by those statistics. And I think, um, I think they're gonna go up, especially post pandemic when people have realized that that single employer, that single source of a paycheck is not as secure as they thought it was. I think more and more people are going to be creating, you know, whatever you wanna call it, side hustles, additional revenue streams, second jobs, whatever. I, I think it's, I think it's only going to go up from here. Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to start a video rental business. You should you know what you should do. You should start in Portland because I hear they only have one, uh, <laughs> one rental place in, in that whole town. <laughs> uh, remember those, remember the VHS rentals? Oh man, do I? Yeah. Gosh. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, that that was sort of a mainstay for for my wife and I. Uh, I remember when we, were, when we were living in New Jersey in the '90s, we were renting a house uh, in in Morristown, New Jersey, and there was a an independently owned uh, VHS rental place that we could walk to. So it was like, man, Friday night. That's what we did. Like we went out to dinner, got some drinks, grabbed two or three VHS cassettes, and walked home and watched them. Yep. Crazy. Did you did you make make sure to rewind before you? Turned him back in. Uh, well, if you want to be kind, you have to rewind. <laughs> How many of those stickers did you see in your lifetime? <laughs> um, all right. So I, I want to I look at this list. I think it's interesting. And, and I actually, you know, like I said, I, I read a ton of these kinds of things. Uh, and, and, uh, but I, I like this list um, and I want to get your take on it. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read each of these six items, and then I want to take some or, or all of them sort of one at a time. But um, the list, uh, and, you know, again, we're talking about, um, let's see, six steps to finding uh, your second act in retirement. Okay, so step one, uh, begin early. 
Step two, fix your finances. Step three, build a bridge. Step four, do a midturn ship. Step five, tackle the internal work. Step six, take it slow. So before we get into the specifics, what do you think of that list? I think it's it's very generalized, but it's solid. You know, yeah. it, it really is a sort of an umbrella, high altitude overview, um, and it and it works. I think the well, this is a bit of a tangent, but it's related. I think one of the, and I know this from being a, a certified content marketer. In, in the content marketing world, the idea is that you you provide very valuable content to people. You give them the what, and you sell them the how. So this is all about the what, <laughs> yeah, right? And that so it's totally fine. Like, and there's nothing wrong with that. But like, I think if uh, you know, if you're looking at this list and you're like, yes, that's exactly what I need to do. Spot on. I totally agree. The how is where you know the devil's in the details there. Yeah. So this is you. You might write an article like this, a list that is very general that pulls people in, and then uh, and ultimately to give the they'll need more specific information, which is what they'll get by sort of forming a relationship with you, right? Yeah. Is that kind of how it works? It kind of, yeah. And, and there's a few nuanced options here. So if you're an affiliate marketer, what you could do is, let's say, you know, fix your finances. That, that's a good example. All right. So what you might do in this article is you might link out to a financial service um, associate where you get an affiliate commission. For any so someone clicks through and hires that person that person kicks you back an affiliate again this is all above board there's no, there's nothing scammy about this this is how affiliate marketing works it doesn't cost you the the customer anything so that's one way you could do it or you could have some type of like you know financial tune-up um video course that you have have for sale so you could you could sell them a product or service yourself or you could sell them an affiliate related one but yeah that's that's basically how it would work Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, again, yeah, I, I recognize begin early is very general. All of these are, but can we try to color, color these in a little bit more? Um, for you, begin early means quit your job at 46 or 47 <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, uh, no safety net. Yeah. Throw it all in the wind. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. No, I, I mean, it, you know, the, the article does a really good job of, and when they say early, I think they mentioned like early 60s in the, in the article. And I was like, I, I'd be thinking about a little sooner than that. <laughs> I mean, I think that's what we're trying to do here, right? I mean, we're, yeah. we're trying to say like, okay, as you're, as you're starting your 50s, you have a very nice, comfortable on-ramp. Like you, you know, you, it, you have a lot of time at the same time we know at this age that time goes by very quickly so you don't you don't want to squander it i would not wait until i was 60 before i started thinking about this but yeah begin early just means start thinking about the things you enjoy the things you might want to do um and I, and i think earning money is i mean there's a lot of studies that says that's that there's a lot of intrinsic value for humans in that way being compensated so it has to be more than just well, I really like to lay on the beach, so that's what I'm going to do. Like, there needs to be some sort of purpose behind it, and purpose is usually driven through compensation. So, yeah, I would say, you know, this is this is the time now. If if you're in our demographic, this is the time not to not to quit your job, but it's the time to start start thinking about what are the skill sets that you have that you can apply. What are the industries that interest you? What are the 
hobbies that you have that you would like to get paid for. Like that's what I think begin early means. What, what do you think? Am I kind of on there? Yeah, no, I, th I think that's really what we've been talking about um, through a lot of our episodes. Um, and you know, what, what sh this author, what Mary Kane recommended was, you know, at least five years before your retirement. And I think, you know, again, it, that's going to vary with all of our varying situations, but that's not a bad target, right? Like that's, that gives you something to shoot for if you have no sense of sort of when to start. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I would, I would be more conservative with it. I would say probably 10 years, 10, out, but, yeah. but yeah, I mean, at right. a minimum, I would say five, right? Yeah. So yeah. see, it's doing, this is doing what we said. It's inviting us to <laughs> take a position on this. Yep. Um, I, I, I agree actually, you know, five would probably be on the light side and probably 10 is better. I think, and you know, we joked about you making that leap, um, when you did, but we've, we've also established, you know, you really started this process. It was pretty much, was it 10 years before you made the leap or it was, yeah. Yeah. I mean, pretty near. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I would say just about when you started years. writing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so it takes a while and we know it's going to, and you know, that's, that's assuming, you know, you know, you, you didn't wander around for five years, figuring out what you wanted to do. You started b building yourself as an independent author. Um, and it still took that time. So right. if you, if you build in some sort of self-discovery time that might be required and, and maybe making some false starts, I mean, yeah, I would say you, you really need even more than that. Yeah, I mean, you can't start too early. There's no harm, you know. There's no, yeah. like there's nothing. You're not gonna. Whereas if you start too late, you know, then then you're gonna have problems. But yeah, I mean, even if you're in your 30s, like you can be thinking about, you know, the the next chapter. The same way you, you know, you think about your your retirement fund allocation. Like you think about that you know, periodically in your twenties and thirties, why wouldn't you think about what you're going to do with your time in that, in that same window? Yeah. The second point bugs me a little bit. I have to say just the way it's put, fix your finances. Like, like it's just something that you can just, Oh, Oh, sorry. I didn't realize I needed to fix my finances. Oh, they're broken. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Thanks. <laughs> um, uh, you know, this one's a tricky one. I know so many educators uh, in both, you know, K-12 and higher ed, uh, and they, they vary widely in terms of their financial picture. Not that I really know it in detail, but I kind of have a sense, you know, just from comments that I hear people make. And, um, and, and I, you know, that's going to be true, but it's also just not simple. I mean, I, we look, we all have a lot on, on us. You know, we have uh, we have a lot of responsibilities. We have, have to provide homes for ourselves and our families and, uh, college education to kids. If, if we have them, uh, all those kinds of things. And, um, so it's one of those things that I know is very real, but I, I think is way easier to say than to do. It's, it's way easier to say, Oh, just pay off your debt. Just like get that taken care of. Okay. <laughs> Um, how do you react to that one? I, I think if it fills you with dread or if you've been, if you're in a state of denial and you're finally like, yeah, I've, uh, my finances are not in good shape. 
I would say now is the time to get some professional help. I mean, there's a lot of different programs out there. Uh, I'm not a big fan of Dave Ramsey, but like his snowball method seems to work for a lot of people in, in getting out of debt. So whether it's something that, you know, a program you do on your own or you hire someone, or even if you, if you, you know, get a debt consolidation service and, and you, you know, take your high interest uh, debts and combine them into something manageable. Like I, I, I don't think it's, it's not an overnight fix. Like you're not going to, if, if you're tens of thousands of dollars in debt, like that's not going to change in two months. But um, my takeaway from this is that you just, you should be doing something right. And even if that something is uh, I'm going to start by curtailing my spending, or I'm going to start by getting tighter with my budget. Uh, I'm going to start by cutting up the credit cards. Like I think, there's a everyone can start somewhere, and I and I think that's that's the key is just to get off the blocks to start it, uh, and be patient because it's going to take some time. But um, I think a lot of people, uh, and and I I don't know numbers either, but just in conversations I've, I've had with some people who've said like, yeah, I don't I don't have any retirement account, and I don't know whatever I'll just whatever, <laughs> and I'm like that you know that, I would want to be in that situation. Like again, you're not going to fix that overnight, um, but it's got to be on your radar. Like you got to be taking it seriously. Yeah. Well, we talked in a previous conversation about th this is not most educators favorite topic to, <laughs> to think about right in our experience. Yeah. We don't like thinking or talking about money. <laughs> um, so I'm going to pull a little trick here. I'm going to do a nested list inside of a list conversation. Wow. Okay. Yeah. The top three nested lists lists. <laughs> um, this was one. Uh, and, and again, this just goes back to like, you, you can't really do a search without coming up to a whole bunch of lists. But so when I was, I was considering like, what is the financial picture of Gen Xers like us, you know, in general? Um, and I got to this five interesting facts about Generation X. Uh, one, they have the most debt. Uh, two, they're stressed about being sandwiched in the middle, meaning taking care of their parents and taking care of their kids. I do think that as a generation, we we spend a lot more on our children than previous generations did. Yeah, college alone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but we provide more, in yeah. my experience. Um, they are more pessimistic about their financial future or financial picture. Um, 401ks are the vehicle of choice and they desire balance and flexibility. But, um, uh, you know, there is research behind the, we, I, th I do think that we, we do have the most debt and we do, I, I do think there's something to that. We feel like we need to spend more sort of in both directions. Right. Like, yeah. Does that come from like a sense of responsibility? I don't know what that is, but yeah, I, I yeah, I, I think it does, and and I think we've talked about this in a, in a previous episode about being bookended by generations that still need our custodial help. So like, yeah, that's just the reality of the situation for most of us. Mm -hmm. All right. So, bottom line, fix your finances. Yeah, just do it. <laughs> Um, all right. So back to the main list. N number three, uh, build a bridge. And, you know, again, you know, back to your point, I know this is some of this is perfunctory, but um, as a general guide, uh, 
And I, I think this is the side hustle, right? This is, you got to start, you got to start doing something. Um, e even if it's exploratory. Um, so talk about how that, uh, how, how you, um, how that played out for you. Yeah, I think educators in particular are very susceptible to to falling into a pattern of resistance through eternal learning. <laughs> I'm just going to read another book. I'm going to take another course. I'm going to study this. And it, the rationale, the justification is like, oh, I'm, I'm just being prepared. But in reality, you're just delaying the inevitable or you're, you're, you're falling in, into resistance. So in number one, when we say begin early and start thinking about it, like, yes, that's absolutely the beginning of the process. That's when you're doing your research, you're talking to people, you're reading books. But at some point, <laughs> you got to start doing something. Um, and I think, again, this is where educators kind of come up short. And doing something means you're going to have to take a risk. You're going to have to try something. And, and it might, the first idea might not work or the third idea might not work. But building a bridge, uh, starting a side hustle, getting that first client or that first customer, that's going to tell you so much more uh, about what you want to do. I mean, we're hopefully modeling that example. Like you and I have had this conversation publicly and privately. I would have loved to have gone, gone off in a room somewhere for six months and built this wonderful course for, uh, for Gen X teachers <laughs> about what to do in retirement. And, but I know better now. And, and I know that like... Uh, you know, we, we have to build the audience first. We, we have to start small. We, we have to ask the audience what they want and start building that. And so I think building a bridge, it's, it's that same concept. It's, it, you know, it's get started on something so that you can test and, and, and start to iterate. If all you have is a collection of ideas in your head, uh, they might work brilliantly for you. That doesn't mean they're going to work in the real world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I tend to be a, a contemplator. Uh, so I, uh, I need, uh, I need to constantly be reminded or, or to remind myself that I need to take action. And, you know, that's something that I've, I've long admired, admired in you is you really are good at that, um, at taking action and, and, uh, you know, you don't, you don't always know where it's headed or, or what the outcome's going to be, but you know that if you take action, you'll find your way there. And I, I think that's, uh. That's critical. And, and I do think, you know, yeah, a lot of us, we've been in careers for a long time and, and we have our routines and, you know, we, we grade papers, we make dinner in the evenings, whatever it is. Uh, and um, but somehow, some way you, you've got to find a way to start to to start to at least experimenting, uh, poking at stuff, uh, if not, uh, you know, making deliberate steps to build or, or, or to, um, establish relationships with, with others. Definitely. Um, so the next one's a little, in, it, it's interesting. It says do a midterm ship. Uh, I've never heard that term before. No, me neither. That was, that was curious. Yeah. Um, and it kind of suggests that there are organizations out there that, um, you know, that invite, um, sort of, uh, internships from people who are post-career or, or late career. Um, what do you, what do you make of that? Yeah, I was, I was a little less clear on this one than, than some of the others. Uh, I, I worry a little bit that a mid is, is feeding into that resistance of not 
sort of taking the risk yourself. You know, you're sort of you're sort of wrap you're wrapping yourself with the protection of some other agency or organization, as opposed to doing something your own. Uh, however, I will say this: if you if you become a midtern or or you work for one of these companies in the early stages of your uh, begin early stage, that might help you to figure out what you want to do. But at a certain point, uh, I would not rely on on the midternship because then you're just sort of replacing, you know, one employer with another, essentially. Yeah, I think it, you know maybe it would be a good way to explore something like if if you've yeah. been in medicine, uh, you know, but you're thinking about doing financial planning, you know, maybe maybe that's how you find out if you really would like it as much as you think you might. Um, so maybe maybe it's more of a self discovery. Yeah, yeah. I I think in that in that circumstance, it works well. I would just not. You just have to be very cautious that you're just not going down the same path, but with a different organization. Yeah, I agree. So the next one is one that I I want to circle back to at some point. I I, I kind of want a a full episode on on this one. Uh, it's tackle the internal work. Um, so what's your what's your take on that what does this that one's mean a, i don't know this one's a bit fuzzy I, i'd like to hear your interpretation first uh so i think it's all about uh discovery or rediscovery and you know there probably are d different ways of thinking about this I, i'm sure there are probably a lot of people who sort of say to themselves well like i'm 50 or i'm 55 or whatever like I'm not, I'm not discovering myself. Like I know who I am, you know, that's been, that's what's been happening to me as I've gotten older and, and wiser. And, and I respect that. Like, I'm not, I'm not questioning that. Um, I think to a certain extent we all feel that way, but, um, I do think life stage changes present an opportunity to rethink and rediscover, you know, so maybe it's because you suddenly have time that you didn't have before and that's all that made all the difference you know maybe there are things that you really would have liked to be doing or would have been doing but you there literally just wasn't space in your day for them and and suddenly you know you're an empty nester and you you have time and space for that that's a different reality and you know maybe in the past 20 some years you've changed or you you, you know the uh, since the last time you had that space, right? So like, that's, that's the way I read it. And that's why for me, I, I feel like this, this to me might be like the number one item for in, if I were making my own list. That that's interesting. I, and I'm going to look forward to a full episode on going deep on this one, because I had a slightly different interpretation, uh, of the internal work. I almost heard it like, like get your shit together, <laughs> mm. you know, like, tackling the internal work would be like your relationships your your health um your well your physical well-being like i think this i think that element gets missed a lot when we talk about retirement because uh i found that if i if i don't have a solid healthy foundation nothing else matters like if i'm in some type of chronic pain or discomfort i can't do anything I, you know, I, and, and, and I think that becomes increasingly important the older we get. So I, I think for, for me too, part of tackling the internal work is like 
and I know people don't want to hear this, but like, are you eating the right stuff? Like, are you getting enough sleep? Are you exercising? Like, these are just sort of common pillars that, you know, I, we all know it, whether or not we do it is another thing, but like, I, I don't think that can be minimized. And, and I think that's an important part of the eternal work, internal work is like, you know, if you're, you're not exercising on a regular basis like you're you're going to you're going to struggle with stamina and it's going to get worse the older you get so i don't know maybe that's a maybe that's a, a different angle or a different perspective but um that was kind of my take on it mhm yeah i agree with that though i mean that's that's and but again it that may also be connected to life stage you know may, yeah. maybe you've struggled to find time with i mean i know i have i i i really love daily exercise um but there, there are days, most of my days actually, where I, I just don't have space. The only way to, to have space is to lose sleep, which I feel like I need, um, or um, not do something that I need to do, you know? And I just, like, I d just don't feel like I, I have that option, but it's getting better, and I, and I, I know it will continue to get better. Um, but, uh, but, you know, that, I guess, that's the other thing is don't 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 miss that opportunity you know if if you're if you are finding time as your life stage is changing you know remember that we all need this and and try to build it back in if if you've been neglecting it yes um the the last one is take it slow and i have <laughs> i have uh i don't even know if i would say mixed feelings about it but uh what do, what do you think about the, the take it slow recommendation? Yeah, it's, it's not what I did, but it's what I would recommend. <laughs> I mean, I mean, take it slow kind of ties into everything else we've talked about um, as far as coming up with your ideas and, and uh, building a bridge. I, I, for me, the, the, the spirit of this means that you know, you're not going to fix everything like you're tomorrow. You're not going to have a plan mapped out in a week. Like it's going to take some time. And, and that's why, again, it's why, it's why we're here. Like it's why we're talking about this, about this stuff now is like you, you know, we have the time uh, collectively and, and we have the ability to take it slow. If you, if you wait until you're 62 or 65, um, you just, you don't have the time to, to prepare. So, yeah, it's again, it's 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 a bit fuzzy for me, but I, I I think it's just a reminder to be patient. Is it fair to say that our our primary message with this project is to get started sooner than later? I mean, right? I mean, I mean, as you wrote in the notes, it's our reason, Dieter. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I mispronounced that. <laughs> uh. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the whole point. It's, it's what we're, it's what we're banking on with this whole thing. I mean, get a little bit meta for a second. Like this is this, we hope this turns into a business idea of some sort because yeah. we think it's that important. Like we, we think it really matters. And, and, uh, and that's why we're, and that's why we're targeting, you know, primarily educators in, in our age group. Like that, this is, this is not an accident. Like, it's, it, yeah, I mean, this is this is the whole reason we're here. It's like start now. There's no harm in starting now. You, there's nothing you can do now that's going to hurt your future. Nothing. Yeah, and it does take time. I mean, I, I we're I think that's one thing about our life stage that that we all share is, um, 
we have more risks involved. I mean, you know, unless, unless we, um, uh, you know, unless we've started over somehow, like with, you know, uh, in terms of where we live or something like that. I mean, most of us have things to lose. And so I think, I think we all need to be sort of like conservative. We, and so mm -hmm. that's, that's the, you know, the whole thing about timeline, like start, start now, take it slow. It, it allows you to sort of, it allows the process to breathe a little bit. I think we make better decisions when we're not on our heels, you know, which yeah. is what happens when we sort of like reach a place and we like suddenly have to make choices. Um, I think we're saying avoid all that. Um, so I guess it's all there. So we, we just did this. We, we just like, should we just end? Like, I think, do we even need to podcast anymore? Cause I feel like we just, <laughs> didn't we just like basically give a guide? Well, yeah. And I mean, I mean, you know, from all your classroom experience that you only have to say things one time and people just automatically learn it. It's yeah. done. Well, yeah. And we, we said it and we credited. it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Done. Okay. <laughs> cool. I didn't know it was going to be this easy. Yeah. Simple. <laughs> all right. In all seriousness, uh, before we, before we take off today, this is episode 19. Uh, we have one more to go and then we're going to take a little bit of a break. Uh, and, and we're going to be asking you uh, what you want to hear. We're uh, probably, hopefully, maybe bring some other people on the show, doing some interviews, but we're going to take a little break and kind of map that out. But uh, uh, that's just a reminder that, that, that that's coming if you're listening in real time. Thanks for listening. Go to teachingtransformations.com and get instant access to Transformations, the free weekly email with the best personally curated resources to help those in their late 40s or 50s to design a post-career life.